And I'm going to build a little bit on what happened last week here where we talked about Pentecost Sunday and how um, in the Protestant church, that's a real passion around the historical event of when Jesus poured out the Holy Spirit upon all his believers, males, females, slave, free. And you'll know some of the scriptures around Acts chapter 2, prophesied by Joel in the book of Joel in the Old Testament. So we're just going to follow on from that. And I want to talk about how do I get led by the Holy Spirit? Because sometimes we don't know when you get an impression or an idea about something, you may not know whether it's you, you may not know whether it's God, or you may not know whether it's from something else. So indigestion, the devil, whatever it is. And look, what I want to do today is focus more about a couple of things we shouldn't do so we can really hear what God is saying to us. So I'm not going to focus so much on the gifts of the Spirit today. I'll probably do that another time. Um, You know, there's a whole range of things about the gifts in 1 Corinthians and how do you use them, when do you use them, why do we use, why does God actually give us like the gift of prophecy or the gift of speaking in another tongue or an unknown tongue or interpretation or faith, the gift of faith or the gift of administration. Um, I don't have that gift. Um, I do it, but I don't have a gift for it. Um, or the gift of healing. You know, I'm not going to talk about that. I want to talk a little bit about some of the things that I think interrupt our relationship with God. So we're not hearing him. It's not that he's not speaking. I think God speaks to us all the time. Um, but I think it's more about other things get in the way and sort of wedge between me and God sometimes. And so I'm going to cover some of that's really the tone of what I want to do. You can see on the screen there I've got, and on your notes, I've got Romans chapter 8 verse 14. Because it says this, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. That is, we're born of God. We belong to God. We've been adopted by God. We should look and sound like God. Anyone got children? Who's had children? Physical children? Sometimes they look and sound like you, right? As an adult, let me, let me ask you the other way. As an adult, do you sometimes sound like one of your parents? Come on. I think I've said this before, sometimes I say to Sue when we're, you know, I can be a bit harsh, I can be very direct, and so sometimes I say to Sue, sometimes I open my mouth and my mother comes out, Um, because that's, you know, it's just hardwired into me, but this verse is saying, well, if you really want to know that you're a disciple, a Christian, or, or whatever term you want to give to following Jesus, if you really want to know that you belong to God and you're following him, the way is to be led by his Holy Spirit. Those who are led by the Spirit are the children of God. So if you're not being led by the Spirit, something's not right. Even if you come to church, go to connect group, even if you read the Bible, if you don't have the Holy Spirit ministering, speaking, convicting, encouraging you, then you've got to ask why. And that's really what I've done today. And I'm going to cover six things around, I think some things that interrupt and get in our way. You know, life is really a series of choices. We make choices, well, minute by minute. Do you know, um, there's a statistic done by a number of different researchers how many choices you and I make on an average day. And it's incredible how many choices we make both fully consciously, that is when we're really thinking it through, or sort of subconsciously as in it's a split-second decision. But collectively, 
We make over 30,000 choices every single day. On an average day, you make 30,000 choices. Now, for us as the children of God who want to be led by the Spirit, those choices should be influenced by what God is saying to us, how he wants us to live, how we should interact with our neighbours, our work colleagues, other Christians, what does he want us to do with our lives, all, those, all the choices we have to make, minor and major, I really should be influenced and led by the Holy Spirit. But of course, here's the problem. We can make poor choices and we can make good choices. Poor choices often find ourselves in a place of unsuccessful living, unfulfilled living. Good choices find us in a place where we feel fulfilled and we feel like life is going pretty well. But every choice has a consequence. Every choice has a consequence. And... I think what happens is we think we're making a choice, but once we've made that choice, that choice then makes us. It actually helps to form the path we walk, the words we speak, the thoughts we have, the feelings we express, the way we speak to one another in our families, what we do with, with work. We might make little choices, but those choices then influence and make us. They like lay down a path in front of us that we by making those choices initially, the choice now lays a path in front of us and propels us in a certain direction. So being led by the Spirit is very important. If you don't like where you are, you don't like how your life is going, well, your choices are influencing you more than you realise. And without the Holy Spirit's leading, guidance, wisdom, rebuke, correction, two terms we don't like in Timothy, where Timothy said, all scriptures God breathed, we like the encouragement, the warmth, but he said rebuke and correction as well. We need, God loves us so much, we need to hear his voice and we do it through the Holy Spirit when he prompts us to change our behaviour, change our thinking, to do something that we haven't done before, all that sort of stuff. So, I, you know, I don't know what the choices, if we went round and, and shared the microphone, what sort of choices you're facing in your life right now, there'd be a myriad of different choices that you're facing. And, you know, indecision well, creates doubt. Indecision creates stress. And, again, my, my sort of foundation here this morning is God wants to guide and speak to me about all the choices I have to make. I don't necessarily have to second guess. You ever, do you ever really agonise over a choice? Then you finally make, you make it and then two hours later you start second guessing it someone says something or it, you know nothing sort of falls into place like you thought it was going to do and you second guess it again right anyone done that and it creates more stress and more anxiety did I make the right choice am I doing the right thing you know do I hold on to what I'm doing do I let it go do I keep going do I move on do I change jobs you know do my kids go to this school I mean just the choices we could spend all of our life listing the sort of choices that a group this size has to make in just living life and of course the bible says in james chapter one that if you're double-minded you're unstable in everything the word unstable there is actually a reference to a drunk a literal someone who is drunk and that an unstable person who is indecisive second guesses can't make decisions they stagger like a drunk because they're being pulled one way and then pulled another way. And James builds on that image by talking about the ocean. You get tossed and, and, and pushed around like an ocean with massive waves in a boat. And that's what it's like. You're being pulled and pushed. But 
that's not what God wants for us. What James is saying there is once you make a decision to follow Jesus, you have to be all in. You don't get the choice to reevaluate. So if God tells you to do something and you don't like it, bad luck. You made the choice to commit yourself to his life. And his plans are good, fruitful. In fact, I'll show you a verse later on that says they're perfect. They're the right thing for you. Doesn't always say they're pleasant, they're not always pleasant or pleasurable, but we have to be led by the Holy Spirit. We can, we always, we're going to be indecisive. We're going to be staggering around life like a drunk or like a boat in the ocean in a storm. So that's why Romans 8:14 says, for those who are led by the Spirit are children of God. We're not led by our own thinking. We're not led by the world. We're not led by our friends. We're not led by a whole lot of circumstances. We are led by the Holy Spirit because it's the Spirit that expresses God's love and direction for our lives. He has The Holy Spirit has no evil intent. He's not trying to trip us up, trick us, manipulate us. He's, he's actually expressing love. Jesus says when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, he leads us into all truth. He reveals the love of God in our lives. And so we have to be led by the Spirit. We love the Holy Spirit and want to hear his voice because it's the voice of God. So here's a few thoughts. Number one, you can, you're going to fill out the blanks as we go. So go to the next slide. Thanks, Dale. If you want to be led by the Holy Spirit, it includes not following our culture. You can't follow two different things. You, just, you, you can't go in two different directions at the same time. So if you want to be led by the Spirit, you have to critically think about the influence our culture is having on your decisions and your life and your choices. You can't go in two directions at the same time. You can't follow God and our world at the same time. Now, I'm not throwing stones at our world. You know, some, some public Christian speakers, you know, they're always condemning the world, having a go at the world. I'm not, this is not my heart today. My heart today is the world is going in a different direction to which God wants us to go in personally as his children. And so that we're, not, we're not condemning or we're not you know, throwing rocks at other people. This is about us, not about them. But we are children of God and we can't go in both directions at the same time. Ever tried to hop over a fence and get stuck halfway? Very painful. You get torn in, in places you don't want to be torn in. That's what some Christians do, though. We don't realise we get enticed by our culture sometimes without thinking what's the philosophy or spirit behind those things. We have to reevaluate who we're really following here. So I've got this in your notes, Exodus 23, verse 2. I haven't written the verse, but the reference is there. Even way back in the Exodus, when God forms the, what we call the children of Israel or, or Jerusalem, when he calls them out of Egypt as slaves, make them his own children through a covenant by taking them through the Red Sea, he actually says to them at that, at, at that stage in their development as his covenant children, do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. It's a principle of scripture right throughout. It's not just old covenant, it's new covenant. You don't follow the culture and do wrong. You don't just do whatever is pleasurable or whatever gets suggested by the crowd. We know in our hearts what is legal is not necessarily moral. 
We know that. And yet sometimes we'll still do immoral things because we think we're not breaking the law. Political correctness is not kingdom correctness. We, even, we live in a different culture as Christians. We should in kingdom culture. What is the Spirit saying to us? So most people make decisions based on what's acceptable, normal, what is everyone else doing around me, the majority. Well, I don't think you can be led by the Holy Spirit and be follow the trends of our society because they're two different destinations. So Romans 12 verse 2, I think that's on your notes, that reference. Most of you will know this verse, but it says this. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change your thinking. Don't conform to the pattern of the culture, but be transformed by changing your thinking to be in line with how God thinks. Because we're his children. We're supposed to look and sound like him. Then it says, this is, this is the incredible sin, it says then. So in other words, if you do that, if you renew your mind and don't just follow the trends of our culture, your mind is in line with what God wants us to do, how to live, how to forgive, how to express our um, love for each other, what to do with our money. I mean, all the things that sometimes is uncomfortable to talk about. But if we renew our mind to be in line with God's word, then, after that, in other words, you'll know how to test and approve the will of God. You won't know any other way. Most of the battles that we have, in whether it's the Spirit speaking to us or we're being influenced by somebody else, is because we haven't renewed our mind. We don't know what God thinks about that subject. Or we don't like what God thinks about that subject. And so part of the problem is we can't test what God's will is because our mind has not been transformed through the truth of God's word and being led by the Spirit to live it out every single day. Now, if you've got your Bibles, I want you to actually open that verse because I'm going I'm to get you to highlight a couple of things in that verse. So don't be conformed. This is Romans 12, verse 2. Don't be conformed to the pattern or that that is the values of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you can test and approve what God's will is. Now, look at these three verbs. He's good. So I want you to underline or circle the word good. He's pleasing. Underline or circle pleasing or highlight it. And the third verb, perfect will. Now, perfect does not mean trouble-free. Let me be upfront about that. It's like the word mature. So it's the imagery of a small child, so an infant, who is immature or not fully developed into what they are going to be, to a fully grown adult. So it has nothing to do with hassle-free, trouble-free, problem-free. Because that's, you know, in our modern Christian thinking, we think... If we're in God's will, we'll have no trouble. Those people have never read any part of the Bible. Because <laughs> sometimes when you're in God's will, there's more trouble. Not all the time, but trouble is not a reflection of whether I'm in God's will. It's whether I know from the Holy Spirit that what I'm doing with my life and with my words and the way I treat people around me, is it good and pleasing and perfect to him? That's what I've got to change my thinking. So the reason you may not know if the Holy Spirit's leading you is because you're still copying the values of our culture and not, your mind hasn't been changed. And you have to do it. That's a command. 
That verse, Romans 12 verse 2, is a command. We have to do it. You can't pray for it. You can't beg God just to instantly change your mind. You have to get to know God's word and you have to be functioning in a group with other mature Christians to help you on the journey of growing up as a child of God. There's no shortcuts to this. You have to renew your mind. God's given you the task to do it. He's given me the task to do it. I'm responsible to do it. And so my immaturity of not hearing God's voice can be related to the fact that I value more what the world is suggesting than my God. Now here's the, one of the things about culture. Isn't it so temporary, like everything that happens in our culture? You know those skinny ties came back in, you know, from 1954. and Everything in our world is actually, everything that, that's thrown up as good from our world doesn't last. The only thing that's going to last is the kingdom of God. So you, you, if you're going to follow Jesus for your life, get in the kingdom as much into your heart and mind as possible now. Number two, being led by the Holy Spirit includes not following the wrong people. Sometimes we have to reevaluate the people we're hanging out with the most. If friends are going in one direction and God is leading me in a different direction, again, I can't do both. And sometimes I think we don't realise the influence the wrong type of people have in our lives. And one of the reasons when maybe not being led by the Spirit, is we're doing not God's will, we're doing the will of other people that is corrupt or not in line with what God wants for our lives as his children. Let's do this, let's buy that, you know, I've got to update this, I've got to go here, I've got to drink this, I've got to eat that, I've got to, whatever it is. Or that peer pressure takes you away from actually hearing what God is saying to you personally about your own life right now. 1 John 3, I've got that reference on your notes. 1 John 3 verse 7 and 8. Dear children, don't let anyone lead you astray. Now let me stop there. That means you can be led astray. Dear children, don't let anyone lead you astray. That means, as soon as I, I was, when I was meditating on that verse this week for today... That's what the thought popped in my head. That means I can be led astray. I can, I can still think I'm a Christian following Jesus. I want to be discipled. But if I'm in the wrong crowd, I'm going to be led astray. Wow. And then it goes on to say this. John says, Dear children, don't any, anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous. So, that the, so if you do what God wants, you're right before God. The word righteous means to be right standing legally, morally before God. So if you do what God wants, then morally and legally we have right standing with God. Just as Jesus is righteous. It doesn't say Jesus, but that's who he's talking about. Verse 8. Then the one who does what is sinful is of the devil. Well, that's because the world's run by spiritual powers. And I know, in, again, in a Western culture we don't talk about it probably enough or, or much at all. But our world is influenced by a spiritual realm that is not the kingdom of God. And so if we follow the pattern of people who are overcome and succumb to the patterns of the world, we're following the devil. It doesn't matter whether you've said the sinner's prayer, think you're a Christian or not, because you've been led astray. So he says, well, of course, the devil's been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son... Now listen to this. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. So we shouldn't participate 
in what God wants to destroy. Now, I'm thinking about this, the people that influence me, and I'm not, not going to name names in terms of who's good or who's bad, but you know there's a lot of bad advice floating in our world today. Anyone can be a blogger, everybody puts their opinions on Facebook, and their opinions aren't worth the money it costs me to subscribe so I can actually use my mobile device to get Facebook. Is that not true? And yet some people engage in that nonsense. They get, you know, you ever seen a good argument on Facebook or Instagram or, for goodness sakes, just let it go. Just be a child of God. Who cares? They don't, you know, the Bible's clear. People who don't know God, their eyes are blind to the things of God. Without the Spirit of God, you cannot see as God sees. Why on earth we beat them up is beyond me. But some Christians make it their mission in life to tell the world off. The world needs saving, right? And our demonstration of love, empathy and the way we live is going to preach more than anything we say on any form of internet communication. Proverbs 13.20, one of our favourite verses. I know it's one of Charles' favourite verses. If you walk with the wise, you become wise. But if you hang out with fools, you're going to become a fool. Oh, you can't get more direct than that. Who you hang out with matters. It matters terribly. So the only question I'm going to ask you is, who's influencing you and what sort of influence they're having? Should we give up non-Christian friends? No, of course not. I'm not suggesting, I'm not even hinting of that. What I'm saying again is about us. Who's having the most influence? Those who represent the kingdom of God or those who are still in the world and can't figure out what life's really about? I can still be friends with them, witness to them, minister to them, but their influence is not coming into my mind or into my heart or into my soul because I want to be influenced more by the Holy Spirit and other mature Christians around me who can help me on my personal journey. Number three. Being led by the Holy Spirit includes not following other spiritual guides and trends. There are many replacements for what God wants to tell you. Let me say that again. With many voices that want to replace God's part in your life of instructing you in how to get through this life as he intended and empowered by his spirit to do it. Many things compete with God's voice. Many of those voices want to tell you what you should think, how you should feel, how you should act, how you should spend your money, all, a whole range of things. Now, I made a little bit of a list here. This is random because it's quite unusual, but I'm an unusual sort of guy. Talk show hosts tell you how to live. Comedians. I don't know why comedians get questioned on sexuality it's like what actors you know people who are famous or celebrities they get questioned on all sorts of things and people start following their advice pop stars what about horoscopes palm readers tarot cards crystals psychics when you look for guidance outside of god it's called divination that's the Old Testament word for it, which literally means, it actually means to hiss, that word in Hebrew, and it's a reference to the deception of the serpent, which of course we know is a representation of the devil, who's against everything that God's trying to do. So when you look for guidance outside of scripture, praying, so speaking to God, 
and godly wisdom, so like coming to church in a connect group, being discipled by somebody you trust who's mature. When you look for wisdom on your future outside of what God's provided for us, you're replacing the voice of God. And you can't trust any other voice. Every other demonic voice is deceptive. They lie. We know Jesus himself said the devil's been lying from the beginning. The beginning of creation, the devil's been lying. So as Christians, we, it's not, again, not throwing stones at people who are trapped in going to hear you know, their future being read by a palm reader or whatever. I'm not throwing stones at them. They are deceived. But as Christians, we cannot touch or involve ourselves with any of that. You can't trust what they say because they don't... Only God loves us unconditionally and will speak the truth to our lives. If you go and consult with any other form of spirituality, you're not hearing God's voice. It might make you feel warm and fuzzy. There might be some truth in what they say, but it's not totally true. Like a lot of lies, there's a bit of truth, but not totally true. So you can't trust any other form of spiritual guides or trends. When, what I think is, I think people are so hungry for a good future, but they're not hungry for God who creates their future. And so unwittingly, unknowingly, deceptively, they replace God as the voice in their lives. We have to guard ourselves and other Christians against that because you'll never hear anything true from that. It will bring death into your life. And so God is the only one who creates our future. My future is hidden in Christ. The Bible tells me. The only voice I need to hear is the Spirit's voice. I don't need to hear any other voice, whether it's human or spiritual. Number four, that being led by the Holy Spirit includes not putting my trust in my circumstances. Now, I'm laughing as I read that because, you know, I'm going to be gentle but a little bit brutal. Some Christians are so super spiritual, you bump into them in the supermarket and they say, oh, it must be God's will that we met today. So they know you just bumped into my shopping trolley. You know, or you get stuck on plenty of road and traffic, oh, God must be, you know, stopping me to do something else. We can over-spiritualise our circumstances. And let me tell you how I know this. Most of stories in scripture where God was at work had nothing to do with the circumstance of the person that we read the story about. For example... Jonah. Jonah, God speaks to him and says, go to Nineveh. Now, you know, in Jonah's little world at that time, this was like a racial thing. They were the enemies. He wasn't going to have anything to do with it. Knew God, loved God. God said, go there. He said, not on your nelly. I'm not going anywhere near that place. Hate those guys. They don't deserve your love anyway. Why would I go and preach salvation to them? Gets on a boat to go the other way, literally the other way. But here's the funny thing. We don't think about this. Jonah goes to the dock. Now, Sue and I actually, when we went to Israel, we went to um, the port where Jonah left from. It's still in function today. It's part of the Mediterranean. So Jonah goes down to the dock. It's a beautiful sunny day. Think about his circumstances. He's obviously got enough cash to afford the trip, right? The boat owner has enough room to allow him to come on. That's circumstance number two ticked. The conditions to sail out that day, perfect. So off they go. Circumstances are not always an indicator of what God's will is. In fact, Jonah, flipping neck, falls asleep. You know, sometimes people say, I just, I just feel the peace. 
and you know the lord must be hey you can be at peace and out of god's will you can be running from god and be so peaceful you fall asleep in a storm it's not always circumstances the bible has many stories of circumstances that were the opposite to god's will so don't overplay the circumstances you need to hear the voice of god through his holy spirit acts 27 i've got there as well paul is actually a prisoner this is near the end of his life you can read the story i'm not i'm not going to read it to you but he's he's in chains and they're taking him to rome because he wants he's desperate to get there to preach the gospel as a prisoner and that's where he's killed he, he knows he's never coming back he knows he's going to be killed there but here's the thing the spirit speaks to paul and says if this ship leaves now there's going to be an incredible storm they'll lose their lives things will get you know all their all their cargo is going to be washed the ship's not going to survive so as a prisoner paul says to the roman soldiers if we leave now we're going to die and they go don't be stupid the sun's out seas are calm you can read it it's hilarious so circumstances don't always tell us what god's will is sometimes god wants to open that door sometimes he's closing it but it looks like it's open we've got to be very careful that we don't let me say it this way some open doors are actually a trap door it's not what god wants and you have to test the will of god by transforming your mind and hearing from his voice you've got to discern it so don't overstretch your circumstances as god's will number five last two being led by the holy spirit includes not putting my trust in my personal feelings do you know your emotions lie to you all the time I'll tell you why. Every emotion you have is temporary. So Charles was very emotional last night when Essendon beat Greater Western Sydney. But next week, if they lose, his emotion of elation and excitement will be so temporary, he'll fall into sadness, depression, shock, horror. But get this neither of those two sort of extreme emotions of either being happy or elated excited joy or the emotion of sadness down neither of those last the feelings do not last they're temporary that's because you can't stay at an emotional state permanently there is no emotion you've ever had that you live in that state continuously it's not humanly possible and yet we make decisions based on how we feel in a moment or for a day or for a week but after that week or day's gone we feel totally different about it so like circumstances we can't put too much currency on our feelings about something just because you feel it doesn't make it true and again people say i've had such a peace Uh, what i think is funny about most um, christians in the west is when when i've had conversations with christians about what they want to do with their lives and how god's led me here it's often things they've always wanted to do and yet most stories i read in the bible when god speaks to someone to do something they don't want to they've never wanted to do it don't want to do it now it's out of the blue so sometimes this idea of us having peace and we feel good about it it's more us so don't overstretch how you feel about it and i've got some scriptures there but i'm going to move on um, time's time's ticking away here here's the last one being led by the holy spirit is doing includes doing 
what he actually says. Now again, I'm laughing at that because I think the Spirit prompts us all the time and a whole lot of that time, we don't do it. Fear rises up, doubts come in, why would God choose me? I mean, when I got my wife up earlier in the service, I bet you she didn't want to come up here. She hates coming up here. So here, I think this is probably the most important thing I can teach you today is this one. You're not led by the Spirit if you're not doing what he says. It's, it's, it's clear and as simple as that. You can teach a child this principle. You can think you're spiritual because you can quote large chunks of the Bible. You can think you're spiritual because the way you pray sounds more spiritual than my prayers. You can think you're really a good Christian because religiously you attend everything the church does. But if we are not obedient to when the Spirit prompts us to forgive or to go and speak to someone, or to pray for somebody, or to give a word to someone, or to give money to something or someone. If we're not obedient when the Holy Spirit speaks to me personally about doing something I already know aligns with kingdom values, then I'm not being led by the Spirit. I might hear his voice, but I'm not being led. Because my leading depends not just on my hearing. My leading depends on this. I agree to obey God's spirit in advance. I made a commitment to step into a covenant with Jesus and that includes me obeying him even before I know what he asked me to do. I I mean, I could tell you stories of things that Sue and I have had to do that we didn't want to do. We didn't have the money to do. It It would cost us as a family, but God spoke to us. I'm not going to bore you with the details, but you'll have your own stories. The principle is this. If you're not in advance committing yourself to being obedient to what God wants in your life, specifically right down to the little things that you argue with God about that are hard for you to let go, you know, like forgiving someone who's really hurt you. or I mean, there are a whole lot of things we could list that really by our action of not being obedient we're having an argument with God you don't understand how tough that was how difficult that was a bit a bit like you know the word that the Lord spoke through Sue at the first this morning in the first thing we 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 did around some ministry sometimes you just got to jump into the river you stand on the bank you're not going to get the benefit of actually being led by the spirit and you can you'll turn into a critical cynical crusty Christian and for goodness sake the world has enough of them we don't need any more of those things right we need people who say yes God before you even say my name you know it's funny um, when you read Bible stories the way the authors have written those stories is the Lord speaks often to their name so like take Gideon so Gideon's you know out of all the 12 tribes he's in the tribe that's sort of disliked the most Um, In his own family, he's like the runt of the litter. And the angel of the Lord turns up and says, his name, Gideon. Can you imagine if God turned up and said your name? Are you going to say yes, Lord, or no? No, 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 no. And again, I don't think we we, um, vocally or verbally say no to God most of the time, but by our actions we do, because God's prompting us all the time. It's not that he's not speaking but we haven't surrendered completely our lives to God. And you can't, well, I used to have a Bible college lecturer that explained it this way. You can't be half pregnant. You're either in 
or you're not. Right? That you're either in the kingdom, you want to be a disciple, you want to mature and follow Jesus' advice for living and be led by and filled with his Holy Spirit all the time, then you can't be half committed. Are you in or you're out? You're getting in the river or you're going to stand on the bank and be an armchair expert and tell everybody else what they should do while they're in the river. Enough of those Christians. God wants us to be led by the Spirit. That means we respond and do what he says when he asks us. Now, God speaks through his word. You know, I think some Christians, they want God to write it in the sky. He's written in a book. People say, well, I don't know what the will of God is for my life. It's written down for us all. There's no mystery to God's will. Now, there's some things that God specifically wants you to do, and you have to test those things. That's true. But here's what I've found personally in my life. If I'm just doing what's already written in the Bible, he directs me very clearly. If I stop doing that stuff, then it's very hard to hear his voice because that's the primary way he speaks to us. If you're not in the word, you're in the dark. Is that clear? We quote this psalm as Christians so often, his word is a lamp and a light. Well, if you're not in the word, if you don't know what God wants from us, how do we worship, obey, how do we serve one another, how do we support each other? If you don't know what's in there, you're living in the dark, but you call yourself a Christian. Is that clear? That was a bit harsh, wasn't it? Sorry. Jesus himself said this in John seven seventeen: Anyone who wants to do the will of God will know whether my teaching is from God. Now that word know is a, is a funny word because we don't have this little word in English. So that, that Greek ancient verb there is you know by doing it. It's not knowing in your head. You only know God's will when you do it, when you forgive that person. Um, you know, when you go and pray for someone at work when they're not a Christian and God prompts you, or when you sit down to give some godly advice to someone who's not a believer, and again, God says to you, go and chat to them, gives you a picture or a word. Your uncomfortableness, the enemy uses that to prevent you from actually proving and testing God's will because you're not being led because you're not doing it. You can hear it, but you've got to do it. Now, let me just finish with this. You do have to ask humbly and in faith. We can't be arrogant as Christians. We don't deserve anything that God's given to us. He has chosen us by his choice. I mean, for goodness sake, why God chose any of us, it's a mystery, isn't it? None of us deserve to know his love, to be filled with his spirit, to be led by his spirit, but he's called us into his kingdom. So my... My sort of foundation for my response to knowing that is I want to do what he's asking me to do because he's the one that's changed my whole life. I would not be the same person today without knowing God. If I didn't respond to the gospel years ago as a teenager, my life would have been very, very, very different. And I know that, Not I'm not just saying that, I know that because the path I was on was not, it was destructive unhealthy it was going to bring death but by the mercy of God he called me and I think God continues to call us to follow his lead he's calling some of you now some of you now know you've been prompted by God to do some things even this week and you didn't do them 
So go back and do them. That's probably the homework for you. Go back and do them. Don't be arrogant or think you're more spiritual than someone else because you've heard from God. God will knock that out of you pretty quick if, it, if you turn that hearing and obeying God into arrogance. You know, we, we started a program some years ago called Hope Tour. That started by Charles hearing from God and obediently being led by the Spirit. Hope Tour, if you don't know, actually come up Charles, We're gonna, I'm going to hand over to him in a minute. Hope Tour goes into many high schools over one week every year. Last year they did some stuff around, well, I think last year they did some stuff around bullying and all that sort of stuff. And it culminates, so they go into a number of schools every day.